Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today you're in for a real treat. I have with me Robert Clark. He is the manager of legal research at Trace International. And we're here to discuss the Trace Bribery Risk Matrix. It's an excellent tool for the compliance practitioner, and we're going to be able to take a deep dive into it and go through it and see how you can use it. So with that incredibly long-winded introduction, Robert, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. It's my pleasure, Tom. Thank you. Let's just jump right into it. Late last year, Trace announced the 2018 edition of the Trace Bribery Risk Matrix and introducing the Trace data browser tool. Could you describe both of these resources for the compliance practitioner? Absolutely. The Trace Bribery Risk Matrix is a tool for assessing bribery risk on a country-by-country basis. Businesses need to have some sort of country-level risk assessment as part of the process of allocating their compliance resources in a risk-appropriate manner. Before 2014, the best available resources for doing this were general evaluations of the perception of corruption in each country. Trace concluded that uh, the business compliance community needed something more specifically tailored to its anti-bribery needs. And so with the help of the RAND Corporation, we developed the bribery risk matrix, which does two things that are distinctive. One, it focuses on business bribery risk. It is not simply assessing levels of corruption or the perception of levels of corruption. It's zeroing in on a specific kind of risk to a specific group of people engaged in the economy. The other thing it does is it takes a multidimensional view of that risk, seeing it not as simply a static fact about a country or even a dynamic and changing fact about that country. It is not a single thing that really can appropriately and completely be simply compared and weighed from country to country. It takes different forms. It has different profiles. And we try to capture that by looking at a range of factors or domains, as we call them, that we believe contribute to the bribery risk in each country. So it's that multidimensionality and the specific concern with business bribery that distinguishes the bribery risk matrix. So one of the documents that was released in late 2018 is the methodology report. And in that, you list the model, which you articulated the uh, four domains. But I was wondering if you could perhaps explain how the domains work and maybe even give a few highlights of the subcategories in each domain. Absolutely, yes. I look at the four domains as describing sort of the different locations from which bribery risk is influenced. The first domain, which we call the domain of opportunity, is concerned with the direct engagement with 
public officials in each country. And it asks three questions. First, simply how much interaction can you expect there to be? How many procedures are in place that you need to follow? How many meetings do you have to have with tax officials? How much of the economy is government run? The logic there is simply the more interactions you have with public officials, the more chances there are for a public official to demand a bribe. Now, will such a public official demand a bribe? That question is addressed by the second subdomain, which we call expectation. The second subdomain, expectation, attempts to answer the question of whether bribes are going to happen or bribes are going to be requested by simply asking, is that generally understood as the way things are done in the country? And that one actually does tend to follow fairly closely the more commonly known indexes of perceptions of corruption in a country. And then the third question to ask in the particular interaction is whether if a public official were to ask for a bribe, would that official have leverage to make it hard for the other side to resist that demand? That is, if government and the bureaucracy functions very smoothly and very quickly and very efficiently, and you apply for a permit on day one and you get the permit on day four or five, you're generally not going to have much leverage as an official to try to extract something uh, for yourself. If it is slow, if it could take a month, if it could take five months, and there's really no way of knowing with certainty how long your project may be held up, that gives the official a lot of leverage and makes it much more critical that your employees and agents be given backing and the understanding to hold firm in their resistance of any bribe demands. That's the first domain. The second domain we call deterrence. That speaks to whether there is anything discouraging public officials from demanding bribes. We currently have two subdomains for that. One we call dissuasion, and that speaks to general attitudes within society about the legitimacy of government and the acceptability of a culture of bribery. The second goes to enforcement and concerns the strength of law enforcement efforts generally and anti-bribery, anti-corruption efforts specifically. If a government has good enforcement mechanisms, that's going to make it a lot less appealing for someone to engage in a bribery scheme. The third domain is transparency. And the reason we include that moving out from the sort of particulars of a particular transaction and asking, does the society have the tools it needs to detect, expose, and thereby deter corrupt schemes. So the transparency domain has two subdomains, one for processes, which looks to how transparent, as the title says, government processes are, how easy it is to get information about what the government is doing, 
what laws are being passed, what contracts are being handed out. And the second subdomain, transparency of interests, attempts to assess how easy or difficult it is to determine the interests that public officials might have in particular entities in order to find out if there is a covert bribery scheme taking place. It can be helpful to know where the money is flowing and who the money is ultimately flowing to. And then finally, in order for that kind of information to be valuable, you need to have people willing and able to pursue those lines of inquiry. So we assess both the degree of press freedom and strength of the free press and the strength of civic institutions generally to act as a check on and watchdog with respect to government abuses. Really, it seems to me that this is a very sophisticated set of factors that you're looking at. How does the compliance professional utilize this information in an anti-corruption compliance program or perhaps, you know, others, AML, export control, data privacy? Well, they can do it in two ways. First of all, you know, we do, with all of these four domains, we do combine them into a top-level risk score for the purpose of providing a high-level overview of the degree of risk. So if you're trying to simply make an assessment of, do I need to do more due diligence on this project or should I allocate those resources to another project? The matrix can help inform that evaluation by roughly placing each country within a certain kind of risk level. But the matrix also aims to help those who want to dig a little deeper and understand not just whether a place is more or less risky, but where does that risk come from? What does that risk look like? Am I more in danger of encountering pervasive petty shakedowns or is the overall government administration generally fairly streamlined and safe, but there's very little government transparency, very little public oversight, and there is a greater likelihood of contracts being awarded on the basis of bribes at a very high level. That's going to call for a very different sort of response on the part of businesses to ensure that they are not complicit in any such scheme. Robert, the matrix really appears to be much broader than simply corruption. Why do you think it's important to have a broader look for not just a compliance professional, but for a business looking at conducting commercial operations outside of the United States? Well, that's a good question. And I'd say that it is broader than corruption in that it's looking at things like general law enforcement, climate, government transparency, press freedom. It's also narrower than simply corruption because it's focusing on business bribery as such. But you know, it's our belief that to understand the business bribery risk climate, it helps to understand the bigger picture, the bigger profile. We want to help people understand, help people in the compliance community understand the history and processes that give rise to the risk. And one way we do that, and this goes back to something you asked about earlier, 
the data that we base the matrix on, which is obtained from you know, a number of leading public interest and international organizations like World Bank, United Nations, World Economic Forum, etc. We believe that the conditions of a particular country can best be understood by looking at those numbers and seeing how those have perhaps changed over time. So rather than trying to build the matrix as something that would track how bribery changes over time, we've instead made available online our complete data set and arranged it in a way that it's relatively easy to browse through and get a visualization of how the underlying conditions have changed and developed over the past however many years are available for each source. And that's what the Matrix Data Browser is, which we've just developed and opened up this year. So you've got a lot of materials that I've used in preparation for this podcast. You've got the methodology that we've talked about. You've got the matrix results, and you've even got an FAQ. Are these all available for other compliance practitioners or somebody who visited the Trace website? Well, they are. The matrix is a free and open and public resource that we make available. You can get to it through our website at traceinternational.org. And you can also review the full matrix scores as well as the underlying data at the matrix browser, which is found at matrix browser, one word, dot traceinternational.org. And you can also access the fact there. The methodology report, I believe, is available from the matrix page on our main website. So that can be accessed there too. Well, Robert, this is just not only a fascinating, but I find it an incredibly useful tool for the compliance practitioner, but even beyond the compliance practitioner, any business person who wants to take a look at areas where they may want to do business. I'm sure it took a lot of work on your part, but I wanted to thank both you and Trace for putting this up and making this available to the greater compliance community. Well, it's been our pleasure. We think the question of what causes bribery risk and how does it develop is an interesting one and one that hasn't really really scratched the surface yet of understanding. So we hope with the matrix not only to provide it a good, useful tool for the compliance community, but also to further the broader discussion among that community and among the academic community and the policy community about how to work together to address the problem of business bribery. Robert, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting today with Robert Clark. He is the manager of legal research at Trace International on the Trace Bribery Risk Matrix. Robert, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Absolutely, Tom. My pleasure. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.